Peter is, uh, is amazing in that, you know, one of the things I appreciate about Peter is that he, he, he hung in there, you know, he kept in the fight. Uh, he kept fighting away, kept uh, trying to honor God and keep his faith where it needed to be, even though sometimes he uh, failed uh, at that. He, uh, he, he always came back and he stayed in the battle. And, you know, that's uh, one of the things that we could take away from Peter's letter is that um, we just stay in the fight. Just stay in the fight no matter what happens. Just get back in the fight and, and keep fighting. Don't let the devil uh, drag you down to the point where you throw in the towel and give up completely. Uh, and Peter does that. He stays in the battle. And he does some pretty, you know, cool things. He does some pretty uh, not-so-smart things. But... Um, in that way, he's just like me. <laughs> I just feel so good like that. Uh, anyhow, so, so far, Peter, uh, Peter has uh, shared with us or in this letter that we're reading, uh, has encouraged us in a number of ways. They're, they're right there on a slide. Uh, he want, he's reminding them of certain things, because remember, these people are misplaced, and, and, and they're frantic, probably. They, we don't know exactly how long they've been you know, scattered among uh, Asia Minor, but they're not at home. You know, this is not their home. They are not comfortable uh, being plucked out of their home and thrown in another place and kind of forced to have to figure it out. Um, but Peter, in this letter, is writing to them and reminding them of some really, really, really deep and important things, like, like their place is not where they live. Their place is in God's grace. And and that's huge, you know, no matter what goes on, no matter where you end up, no matter what may happen to your life, like these people, you know, in the Bahamas are going to end up having to be misplaced for a while. I mean, that's just the way it is. But if they know the Lord, they're in God's grace. That's where they live, is in the grace of God, no matter where they are geographically. And that's so important for them to remember, especially these people. Their salvation, hope, uh, flee from the now, cling to the later. I mean, Peter is just laying down some really, really important truths to live by. Like to live by. Like any one of these could be enough to just like hang on to like a rope and just hold on to, you know, that Jesus is our example, that he exemplified what we're striving to to be like and the one we strive to follow, to set apart Christ as Lord. Uh, you know, that's a, a lifelong challenge, right? To let Jesus be Lord of, of everything that we are. And that we are participants in Christ's suffering, right? Not just in his life, that we're striving to be like him, but in his suffering too, that we, that we in some way, in our own way, and on this earth, we get to carry on the mission of Jesus, and for doing that, we will suffer. I mean, you're going to suffer. This world is not friendly toward Christ, right? Pick up a paper, watch the news. This world is not friendly toward Christ. We're going to be even more and more attacked as time goes on, but we get to participate with Christ in that as we stand for truth, as we stand for what's right, what's good, and what's godly. And uh, the things that are from heaven, the things that God wants for us as people. As we represent Jesus, we're going to suffer. Well, Peter's word today is, uh, is another great word. Uh, he's he's going to challenge these people to just like keep hanging on. Because in the end, it's all about you and God. Like in the end of all things, it's really going to be about you and God. Like that's what it all is going to come down to. It's just you and God, you know, like all the other stuff will, will peel away and you will stand before God. 
and it's going to come down to you and God, really. Uh, so, like, that's a good thing for us to remember, that even though we're bombarded and surrounded by lots of things in this world, in our own lives, in the end, it's going to come down to you standing before God. And, and that, that's a sobering thought, right? Let's read chapter 5 together. Um, Peter writes, he says, To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of glory that will never fade away. Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. Clothe yourself uh, with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Verse 6, humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you her greetings, and so does my son Mark. Greet one another with the kiss of love. Peace to all who are in Christ. Amen? Kiss of love. Do you like that? We don't practice that anymore, do we, Barbara? Kiss of love. Not usually. Sometimes, like, you know, off the cheek kind of thing. Like, it depends on what kind of family you grow up. Right? The, the sound, you make the sound of a kiss, but you don't actually, like, kiss the cheek. You just, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Kiss of love. So uh, Peter's encouragement to them is, uh, is to hang in there. Hang in there. In the end, it's going to come down to you and God. So let's take a check this out. Peter just got done sharing it back in chapter 3 and 4 about Christ being our example. Okay? Christ is our example that, that Jesus is the one we're striving to follow, that we're to set apart Christ as Lord, that we are participants in the sufferings of Christ. So it only makes sense that the next group that, that should be examples of the example would be who? Okay, the leaders, right. Verse 1 to 4, look what it says there. Uh, just focus on those verses. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder. A witness of Christ's suffering. This is Peter writing. And he says, And one who is called, or who will share in the glory to be revealed, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, not, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive a crown, glory that will never fade away. And so Peter, a uh, couple things to note here, Peter 
focuses for a minute here on the leaders, on those that lead God's people, those that are leaders or elders in the church. He says, elder, right? He says, elders, to the elders among you. And the word doesn't just mean older. The word means presbyter, which is the leadership of God's church, God's people, right? Shepherds like Peter. He's a leader. And he's appealing now to those who are leaders in the church, a witness of Christ's suffering, Peter says, and a partaker in the coming glory. That's what, that's what elders are, right? They, Peter says, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's suffering. So Peter is telling us that he is sharing with us God's word, God's truth revealed to him, but he's also an eyewitness of it. This isn't just something he heard from someone else. And now he's you know, sharing it as if it's, uh, you know, something he saw. Peter did see. Peter did hear. Peter was there. Peter is a witness. Peter gets to share what it is uh, and what great evidence that is to have firsthand account of what was happening in the life of Christ by a guy like Peter. He says, be shepherds, right? Be shepherds, that word means to tend, like a shepherd would tend, right? To govern over, to be a good shepherd. And he says, remember in these four verses, remember, they are God's flock and they are under your care. So to the elders among us today, these, these, this is God's flock. It's not our flock. It's not my flock. It's God's flock. And they're under our care. That's what the word stewardship means. We are stewards of God's flock. He says, watch over them. And he gives three contrasts. He goes, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be, right? That's God's will, is that you will want to be a leader for God. And that's a good question for all of us. Do you want to be a leader in this world for God? Like, like there's no spectators in the kingdom of God. We know that, right? There are no, there's no place designated for spectators who watch other people do it. There's only one place in the kingdom of God, and that is to honor God, serve God, love God, and be a leader for God in the world because we, we live to the highest standard there is, and that's the glory of God and the life of Christ. And as such, we are leaders for God, and so we've got to want to be leaders. That doesn't mean you're going to be an elder. It just means that wherever God plants you, like be a leader. Be a leader for the Lord at your place of work, at your school, wherever you are, as God wants you to be. That's his will. He says, not uh, for personal gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over them, but being examples. And that, that's, that's a beautiful picture of what an elder is, should be like, right? Somebody who sets the example, who just does what Jesus would do for other people to see. In verse 4 he says, he's basically saying like, if you look at the verse, he says, um, in verse 4, and when the chief shepherd appears, I love that kind of the idea of Jesus being the chief shepherd. In other words, elders on this earth, we are like little shepherds on earth. We're little shepherds, and when the chief shepherd appears, and he is coming, right? Remember in chapter 4, verse 7, just on the other page, if, you're, if your Bible's open, he says the end is near, right? The end is near. The chief shepherd is coming soon. He says when he comes, he, you will receive a crown of glory that will never fade away, right? That's what God's leaders can look forward to, a crown of glory that will never fade away. It's not made up of the stuff 
of this earth. It's not made up of things here on the planet. It's a crown of glory made from heaven, made from stuff of heaven. See, this church work that we're a part of, this ministry of the church here on earth, the local church, that's what we are, right? We're the local church. This leadership ministry, its impact is eternal. This isn't like the YMCA. This isn't like the recreation club or soccer leagues or whatever else we are a part of in our world. This is eternal. You know, what we do here, what we uh, share together in here, our goal in life is not about the planet. It's about eternity. It's eternal. It has an eternal impact. It's forever. And so if you're a leader for God, what I'd like you to do is raise your hand. If you're an elder, put your hand up. If you're an elder here this morning, got a couple of them here. Yes, sir, all four of them, good. If you're, um, if you lead a, if you're a deacon, put your hand up. There you go, got a couple of deacons here. If you're a ministry leader, would you put your hand up? Ministry leaders. If you help out in a key way in a ministry, that's important, right? Elders, deacons, ministry leaders, your impact is eternal. What you do is eternal. Our leadership in the kingdom of God, not just in the church, but in the world, is eternal. It's not about like silver and gold. It's not about bank accounts and buildings. It's not about programs or gimmicks. It's eternal. It's about eternal life. It's about souls coming to know Jesus and being saved. That's what this whole thing is about. Right? We should never lose sight of that. It's not about just having a nice building and a nice church about reaching people for the kingdom of God. If we're not doing that, we're not doing what Christ called us to do. It's an eternal work of God right here and right now on earth that will last forever, eternity. The shepherding must be of God, Peter's trying to say to these people, like even though they're like misplaced in another place, that the church there, the, the called out ones that come together for worship, the leaders among them, the shepherds among them, this is an eternal work. And it must be of God, not of the flesh. It's not about just having something cool that we go to on Sunday. That's not what it is. It's about the kingdom of God and following Jesus. And it must be scripture-founded and spirit-led and vision-driven and focused on the mission of Jesus and that alone. See, we're not, we're not shepherds like shepherds in heaven. Jesus is that, right? He is the shepherd in heaven. But you, elders, you are in charge with shepherding the bride of Christ right here on earth right now. And that's a, that's a great responsibility until the bridegroom comes. What an honor, right? What a great privilege it is. And Peter's trying to encourage and challenge these elders among them to take this responsibility very seriously because it's eternal eternal it's not about just maintaining something it's not about just having a cool thing going on on the earth it's about following jesus and leading the flock into the world of darkness and conquering evil it's about reaching souls for the kingdom of god not about having a nice pew to sit in the important key here is this the chief shepherd is watching and he will soon appear He's coming back, and he has his reward for those who do his work faithfully, faithfully moving forward in the kingdom. 
In verse 5, 8, he says, in the same way, look what he says there, he moves on, he says, in the same way or in like manner, and he's talking about like kind of an attitude about the church and about leadership and about how our attitude should be in the church, right? For leaders, we should have a certain attitude toward Christ and toward the flock, and then he says, in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. So if you're younger, raise your hand. Come on, boys, you can do it. I see you, Jacob. I see you trying to... Oh, I saw Anna. Rowling, okay, Barbara, good, good, like that. Rowling, all right, you're good. <laughs> all of us are younger, I'm younger too. Jules, you're younger. All of you who are younger, he says, right? You are younger. Submit yourselves to your, to your elders. Okay, it's an attitude again about, about those who are younger, right? That, that we, we have this certain attitude that we're all working together, moving together in the kingdom. And that young people will become elders or leaders one day, right? And, um, and that's what God is trying to, to, to build in us in, as younger people, as younger men and women, that, that we are becoming like Christ and that we have a leadership to look up to, to follow their example as they follow the example of Christ. And in verse 5b, he says, all of you, so that's everyone, he said, the elders, he said, the young men, and he says, finally, all of you, clothe yourself with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. All right? So all of us have this same attitude of humility, every one of us. No matter what rank or what role you play, we all are to have this attitude of humility to one another. Be dressed like Jesus. Right? Be like Jesus. Humility. And in our world, humility is something people take advantage of, isn't it? Here's the good news. God honors it. God honors humility. God honors your humility when you, are, when you humble yourself before the Lord. See, this is like the final chapter in this letter that Peter's writing. Not really chapter because we know it, it didn't have chapters when he wrote it. But this is like the last section Peter writes. And so he's like hitting on some final thoughts as we kind of move through this chapter and especially the, the rest of it. And he's got like some final thoughts. It's almost like, like when you go to the grocery store and you make your list, baloney, you know, peanut butter, strawberry jam, you know, these things. And Peter's like, I, I envision Peter's like got this list of things that he's thinking about when he thinks about these people, and he wants to make sure as he closes out this letter that he touches on some things, and some of them are very different than the others, but there's things that Peter wants to say a word about, like shepherds and young men and all of you. And so he continues like in these verses with some really important attitudes. And he gives us some very like living, breathing faith kind of truth with Jesus in regards to you and God. Like, like when it comes to you and God, these are some things that are really important because like, that's the bottom line. It's you and God. Like in the end, it's just going to be you and God. Like Steve was sharing about the prodigal son when he, and I couldn't help but think about like when he came home and he walked down that road and the father came running out to him there was no one else. It was just the father and this boy, face to face. And that's how it's going to be with you and God. I mean, you're going to stand toe to toe with God, every one of us. There's no escaping that. There's no getting out of that. And so in the end, it's about you and Jesus. You know, when you cut through all the busyness of your life, all the things that you do and everything you're a part of and all you know, your adventures and your experiences and, 
and the things that you get up and do every day, when you cut through all that, all the highs and the lows of life, what it's going to come down to really is you standing before God. And all those other things won't matter one bit. None of them matter, will matter at all to you then. All right, so we live our lives realizing that one day I'm going to get to this point where I'm standing toe-to-toe with the Lord and everything that I've done won't matter. You know, as far as my successes and my accomplishments, none of that, all the things I invested my life into aren't going to matter that much. All that's going to matter is my relationship with the Lord, if there is one. Right? And so we invest in this. We invest in this. Peter gives us seven things about you and your walk with God. They're very quick. They're going to move, he's going to move through this last section of this chapter very quickly. Here it is. The first thing is this. You get humble, God will lift you up. Look at verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, and he will lift you up in due time. So there's you, your part, and what God is going to do. His promise to you. You humble yourself under his mighty hand. So we do. This very clear stuff for Peter and for these people living in a strange place. Humble myself under God's mighty hand. That's what I do. And, and it isn't really like under God's hand like he's smushing you down. I more of a like picture it like, like under God's hand, like you're in God's hands. Like where else do you want to be? But in his hands, like in the hands of God. That's a great place to be. Like just put yourself, humble yourself. Don't think any highly of yourself than you should. Just you are the creation of God. He's molding you. You're a sinner in need of his grace. And you humble yourself and you keep yourself right there in his mighty hand. And look, James said a similar thing when James wrote about, about humbling yourself and God lifting you up. And, and this, it's a full-time job to, to, to humble yourself, isn't it? Right? It's really hard because there's things we do that we start thinking pretty cool of ourselves. Like we're, we're something. Like because we've maybe reached some plateau or we've, we've made some promotion or we've earned some kind of money or we've done something. It's easy to get full of ourselves on this earth because the world is telling you you should. The world is trying to get you to put yourself up there on a pedestal. But if you will work at humbling yourself before God, and place yourself under his mighty hand, then he will lift you up, and he will lift you up higher than you will ever lift you up. And, and, and Peter says, in due time. Did you catch that? In other words, when God, when God says now. When God says it's time, he will lift you up. And so you hang in there. Hang in there. Just keep fighting. Keep being humble. Hang in there and he will lift you up. Second thing, thing he says here is this, verse 7. He says, you cast everything on him because he cares for you. Look at verse 7. Cast all your anxiety on him because what? He cares for you. God cares for you. He cares. He really does care. He's not some God that's just out there just letting everything just happen. He's involved right here with us. His Holy Spirit is living in you if you've accepted him as Lord and, and, and surrendered your life to him. He's alive in you. He cares about you. To cast, he says, cast all your anxiety. That means like, it's like a, the picture of a, like a fisherman with a net, right? You cast the net. Have you ever cast a net before like that? Have we ever tried to catch fish like that? kind of fun, but it's not easy, right? The thing about it is you've got to let go of the net. 
Right? You hang on to the net, you're not catching fish. <laughs> you're going to hook your leg or your head. You've got to let it go, right? There's a string you hang on to because you've got to pull the thing back. But you've got to let the net go, and that's what Peter's saying here. You cast it on him. Cast all your anxiety on him, like your worries and your cares. Give them to him. Just give them to him. Cast them on him. Whatever it is that's like getting you going or making you worry or getting you frantic, you just cast it on him. Jesus said it like this. Don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body. Pagans run after those things. You have a Father in heaven who loves you. I trust him. That's Peter's like this shotgun approach of all these little truths that he wants to say to these people because he's about to close up this letter and he's about to send it to them and they're going to get it and he wants to make sure that, that he gives them some really good truth to live by and that's one of them. It's like you just give everything to God. He cares about you. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. Next thing he says is you stay on your spiritual toes because evil is very real. Verses 8 and 9. Be alert and sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him standing firm in the faith. That's a simple word of, of the end is near. The heat is being turned up. Be alert. Be sober. Stay in a ready position like in a ready position. If you played any sports at all, you know what a ready position is. Rylan, would you show us what a, re a ready position is? Oh, okay. okay. Ready position is like you're ready, right? Like the action is, is on, right? You're the goalie. And they're taking penalty shots at your head. And you better be ready or you're going to get knocked out, right? Be ready. That's what he's saying here. The end is near. Be alert. Be sober-minded. Be ready. Be ready. Stay on your spiritual toes. Evil is all around you. The devil is lurking. He's looking for someone to devour. Christians to devour is what he's after. With a big target on your back because you say the word Jesus. Because you, you go to worship. Because you read your Bible. Because you're striving to live for the Lord. You have a target on you. And he wants to kill and steal and destroy you. And Peter's saying, look, evil's everywhere. And it'll come in the... The, 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 the nicest looking forms sometimes. It will come in, in things that look so good and so pleasurable. He says, resist. Resist evil. He says, look what he says there in verse 9, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Like suffering hits everyone. Evil attacks everyone. Peter says, so knowing that, resist it. Be ready to resist evil. G James uh, said it like this, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and what? He'll go running, right? Tuck his tail and he'll go running. He'll flee from you. Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, he'll flee from you. It means to oppose him. It means to stand up against him. So whatever it is you're facing, whatever it is you're dealing with in this world that might be sinful, that the devil is attacking you, Peter's saying, stand and face him. Like, stand your ground. Don't try to run away and escape and tuck your tail. You stand and fight in the mighty power of God, and he will, he will tuck his tail and run. That's what Peter's saying here. Resist him. Stand. Oppose. Stand against him. Like rock-like stand, right, on Christ, right, in Jesus' name. You stand, and evil will flee from you. Don't let it cause you to flee. Verse, uh, then he says, you suffer with Christ, and God will 
restore you. Look at verse 10. In the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. The, the devil, you know, we look around this world and, and it may seem like the devil is having his way and has the advantage right now. And it may seem like troubles and hardship, like they never stop coming. They're, they're one after another, like rapid fire against you in your life. Just remember, your 80 years or 90 years on this earth are just a little while compared to eternity. If you suffered all your life, it's, it's so small compared to eternity. Peter says, you may suffer for a little while, but it's just a little while. You hang in there, you keep fighting, and, and God will restore you. He will restore you, he'll make you strong, he will bring healing, he'll make you firm, and he will make you steadfast. You remember the promise of God. Verse 11, he says, to him be the power forever and ever. Amen. You know why he says that? Because God is going to have the final say. God has the final say. The devil may be loud and proud and having his way right now, but God will have the final say, and he will restore you. He will restore you. That's his promise. He will restore you. You just remain faithful. He says also in the end of this chapter, he says, you be like Silas. Be like Silas because he's faithful. Like this guy, Silas, right? Silas. Silas is, um, he's, he's, we see him in the scriptures in a number of ways. He's at the, in Acts 15, he's at the Jerusalem council. He's part of the Jerusalem church there. He's a leader in the church. He traveled with Paul on, on Paul's second and third journey. He's a leader uh, there in Jerusalem. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul calls him Silvanus. He's arrested and beaten with Paul uh, at one point. And in prison, it's Paul and Silas who are singing and praising the Lord. Silas and Timothy ministered in Berea. Silas hooked up with Peter in his ministry. And, and throughout, uh, and, and it's thought of that it was Silas who actually carried these letters to the churches. See, that's a good word about someone, isn't it? I mean, that's a lot of good stuff about kingdom, the kingdom work of Silas on the earth. And we don't know a lot about Silas, but we do know those things. It's in the scriptures. Kingdom work to be remembered by. Wow, that's good, right? What kind of kingdom work will you be remembered by? That's what Silas brings up for us. He's faithful, and Paul is, or Peter is saying, be like Silas. Be remembered for kingdom work, not for earthly stuff. That stuff's all going to fade away and be destroyed. You be remembered for what you do for the kingdom of God, because that's eternal. And, and then he says... You are not alone. Remember, you're not alone. Verse 13, he says, she was in Babylon. And most agree that what Peter is referring to is the, the church in Rome, as referred to as Babylon. The church, she who is Babylon, chosen together with you, with you, right? Those of you who are scattered throughout Asia Minor, misplaced. He says, sends you her greeting, and so does my son Mark. In other words, they salute you. They salute you for, for hanging in there. They salute you for staying in the battle. They salute you because you're in the battle with them and they're in the battle with you and you're not alone. You're never alone. 
You're fighting what many others are fighting. That's to hold on to the faith of Christ. Others believe, and they're like you, and they're fighting the good fight. And then he says, greet one another with a kiss of love. In other words, get close. Get to know each other. Like you should feel comfortable around each other that much. Besides, eternity is a long time, isn't it? You might as well get to know each other now. (laughs) Because forever is a long time. And he says, he closes with peace to all of you who are in Christ. Right? Peace. God's peace. God's peace, not world peace, but God's Holy Spirit peace in your life to deal with whatever may come your way. That kind of peace. The kind of peace that looks tragedy in the eye and just stays calm, cool, and collected. The kind of peace that can face anything that might come your way, whether death or disease or sickness, whatever it may be. That kind of peace that says, I have confidence in my God. And I'm living for Him. And nothing will shake me because my strength is in the Lord. And my peace is from Him, not from this world. So here's what Peter's saying to them. Like to each one of you, like each one of you, scattered throughout Asia Minor as individuals, each one of you unique in your own way, right? Gifted by God in your own way. He's saying, be careful, like, to do these things. Like, you could go out and live a lot of different ways in in this world. You could follow a lot of different systems. But if you choose to follow God, let these things rule in your heart. Let these truths rule in your mind. And let them be the things that guide you as you live. That's what he's saying to them. Because in the end, in the end, Each one of you will stand toe-to-toe with your Maker. And all it will be about at that moment is you and God. That's all. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much, and we're so grateful for the love that you have for us. And we're so grateful for this, this letter, this note that Peter writes to these believers that are scattered and in need of encouragement, in need of truth, in need of direction, in need of a word, God, from you. And today, we, as we close out this, this letter, I pray that you'll move in our hearts, help us to, to listen closely to what Peter says, to what you say to us about how we live our lives, what we cling to, who our example is, where we, where we live, really, whether it's a location or your grace and how we go about our life, Father. Help us to to set apart Christ as Lord, to be willing to represent you in this world well, to be willing to suffer for you, God, knowing that our reward is great and that this world is evil. Help us to stand and oppose evil, to stand against the devil as he as he comes our way to attack us, help us to, to show the kind of power and the kind of confidence and the kind of trust that we have in the God of all creation. God, so many things Peter has said to us. I pray that you'd help us to, to just absorb them and live by them, knowing that one day it's going to be us standing before you, toe-to-toe. And all that will matter is the relationship that we built with you the trust that we had in you, and the faith that we live by in you. God, help us. Help us to, to draw close to you. In Jesus' name we pray.